0: If you don't have a Bible, you should have. You should have a Bible. Don't take my word for it. Okay? You get in that book and you make know what you're hearing. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is that's preaching. Hey? Okay? You got four. You didn't bring one. Well, What's the point of having four Bibles if you ain't got any? You know, people get them on their phones and all sorts of things now. So, but it is important. All right? It is important. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in your faith, then you've got to grow in your faith. You can't come to meetings and grow in a pastor's faith or a preacher's faith or whatever. It's got to be your faith. Okay? And the way you build your faith is you get into the word of God, you look at it and you go, yes, that's what it says. So if you're just taking my word for it and somebody else comes along and challenges a different point of view, then you take their word for it. And we end up like, see, so it talks about toss to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We don't want to be like that. We want to get into this word. We want to make sure that what we believe has a good foundation and we want to stand strong on the foundation. Yep. I, I love being challenged in my faith. I love it when people uh, come to me with different perspectives and different viewpoints because it makes me do one thing, one it makes me go one of two ways. I get back into the Bible and then I go back to him and I go, no, I'm firming what I believe and I believe that, that the way I see this is right. Or I get back into it and I go, you know what, I'm so glad you challenged me because what I was thinking before wasn't quite the whole picture and I appreciate the fact that now I've found something new in there and it strengthened my faith a bit more too. So, so bring along your Bible when you come to church. Another thing that I would encourage you to bring along, and, and, and some people do, some people don't, and I, you know, I used to sometimes and didn't, but I'd encourage you to bring along a notepad to church too, because you never know when God's going to say something to you. You never know when the Lord's going to speak something, a, a, a quickening in your spirit. Might not even be something that is said from the front of you, could be something someone says to you while you're having coffee. Yeah? Could be something that happens around a biscuit after church. It might be something that you overhear when you're ears dropping on a more interesting conversation over there because the common you're having at the moment is not that exciting. It could be something like that, all right? But we've got to come with expectant hearts to church, expect God to speak to us, expect God to move on our behalf, expect God to encounter us. One of the, one of the great things about our, our religion, um, I've got this, this uh, song that I, I dug out of uh, the CD collection there um, at home recently. It's a, everyone heard of a singer called John Gibson? Now, I reckon I'm the only person that ever bought an album of his, actually. Um, anyway, he's a good singer. He sounds a lot like Stevie Wonder. In this album I've got, he actually does a song that Stevie Wonder wrote. He sings it with Stevie Wonder, and you can't even pick their voices apart. And the song's uh, Have a Talk with God. That's what the, the song's about. But there's a song on there, and the, 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 the verses of the song go talking about all these different religions, and it says, um, If your God isn't, if you can't see your God doing things in your life, then maybe you've got the wrong God. Can you see God doing things in your life? Can you see God doing things in your life? I think that's a great challenge. And if if I can't see God doing things in my life, I want to find out why, because my God is an active God. My God's a relational God. He wants relationship with me. So much so that Jesus shed his blood on a cross so that I can have a relationship with God. My God is an active God. He's doing things. It says in, in the book of Acts at the beginning there that uh, yeah, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to speak. In other words, what he's saying is, he, the same guy wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts, he's saying Jesus began to do things in the book, but, but now the book of Acts, Jesus is what? Continuing to do things. And Jesus is still doing things. And are we aware? Of what he's doing in our world, are we aware of what he's saying to us in our life? Because that's really, really important in terms of our growth and in terms of our progression in our faith, becoming all that God wants us to be. You know, what is God doing? So, Ephesians chapter five. <laughs> I had the great opportunity this week, as part of my work, to go to a gathering. Uh, we had this club, the Ballina Lighthouse. I think it's Ballina Lighthouse Daycare Club or something like that. They, they approached us and said, "Look." We, we, we get a few elderly people together and just to, to give them sort of stimulation and activity in that, we get different people from different businesses of the community to come on in and to just talk and just share a bit about your business and that. So we got approached uh, a few months ago and they said, would someone from Dan Murphy's come and, and uh, say yes. As a management team, we said, yes, we will come. Uh, but somehow the day turned up and I was the one that was told, well, El, you're going to have to go and, go and do this. So I found myself standing in the Richmond room and I walked in and got the shock of my life. There was about 120 of these people there from ages probably fifty right through to ninety. And they're in there and there's a, a they built a stage about this high and there's a lady up there on the stage and she's she's doing put your left hand in and your left hand out the whole, and they're all, you know, just moving their bodies. It was wonderful, really good and they were doing exercises and, and you know, shaking it all about and all this sort of stuff. And so I kind of joined a little bit more, I could. They went and got me a nice cup of tea and a little plate of biscuits and some sandwiches, and put it in front of me. And said, "Please sit there and enjoy your tea and have your sandwiches and so on." And then it came uh, my opportunity to get up. So I got up and I had a bit of a history of uh, the business we work for and and uh, some of the innovations that we've brought in, into the industry and what we do and so on. But while I was standing up there, I had this interesting thought. I was standing in front of all these people and I was looking out there. And it suddenly dawned on me, I wonder how many more meetings these people have left in them. I wonder how many more meetings they have. How many more times are these people going to have the opportunity to come together in this configuration, and you know he whatever the, whatever the, the, the message is they 're hearing I mean I, it wasn 't Christian, but I tried to tie in a little bit of stuff about my family and a little bit of of, of the values of family and, and and tried to use Dan Murphys and his son as a bit of a prodigal son type thing because uh, Daniel Francis Murphy started dan murphy's he was working for his father and he decided he could do a better job, so he ran off and started his own thing so I tried to, tried to tie in these little themes in there best I could without, without uh, offending the business that sent me and so on. But I I, I was struck with the thought, looking around the room, and I'm thinking, up the back there in a wheelchair, and I can see you struggling. You might only have three meetings left in you. And this person over there, you might only have another 12 meetings left in you. meet once a week. Now I'm looking around, and I, I got in my car, and I was driving home, and I thought, Lord, I wonder how many more meetings I've got in me. And I wasn't just talking about church meetings. But life, I wonder how many more days do I have? How many more opportunities am I going to have in this life before I jump across to the other side? Because life is short, and I don't know how much time I've got. Just as those people sitting there didn't know how much time they've got. Ephesians chapter (coughs) 5 says this, verse 15 to 17. I'm going to have to start bringing my glasses. I've turned to the wrong book again. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, or see then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. How many of you know that we have been redeemed? Is that right? It uh, tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says that we have been redeemed uh, from the curse of the law. Let's have a quick look at that. Ephesians chapter th- uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You know we're not trying to get ourselves redeemed. Did you know that? Did you know I don't pray and come to church and give and, and minister to people and do evangelism? I don't do all that stuff to try to get redeemed from the curse of the law. I am. Full stop. End of story. There's nothing I can add to. There's nothing that I can do that will get you all redeemed. You're either redeemed or you're not. There's no levels of redemption where I'm partly redeemed. I'm half redeemed. I reckon I'm probably, if I have a good look at my life, I probably, there are some days where I feel like I'm about 80% redeemed. There are other days where I actually feel like I'm about 15% redeemed. And in between there, there's all kinds of variations, you know. But the Bible says that I have been redeemed. I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. I am redeemed, full stop. I've got to wake up every day and I've got to believe that. This is the challenge is to believe that every day. To get out of bed and to believe it. To look at myself in the mirror and go, I am redeemed. You, good looking fellow there, you are redeemed. You are redeemed. You have been redeemed. Curse of the law. And not just bits and pieces of the curse of the law. But the curse of the law. He doesn't break it down and say, you, you've been redeemed from this curse and that curse and this curse. Because it's one curse with overarching uh, uh, situations that occur with that. There's one redemption with overarching deliverances and so on that occur with that. It's not bits and pieces. Part of our journey as Christians is that we are, we are uh, outworking our salvation. We're outworking something that's already happened. We're not trying to make something that happen because it's already happened. The journey of Christianity is I'm, I'm sticking close to God and I'm hearing from the Lord and I'm getting into this book and I'm realizing more and more of who I am. Now James says this book's like a mirror. We hold up to ourselves and we get a reflection of who we are. It's a mirror. It's not who I'm trying to be. This is who I am. And I hold up that mirror and I see I'm a a king. I am a priest. I am forgiven. I have been set free. I am delivered. I am all these things. I look at that. And the journey of Christianity is not trying to get something, it's trying to get myself, first of all, to accept what's already happened. And that's part of the journey. And that's usually part of the problem. Because we look at ourselves and we look at our weaknesses and our failings and so on, and we think, "Well, well, because I'm weak in that area, because I'm not successful, I'm not being set free in that area. I must have a a, 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 a problem, or God hasn't finished, God hasn't done this." No, no, we've been set free. We've been delivered. We've got to start to see ourselves the way that the Word of God reflects us back. We've got to start to see ourselves the way God sees us. That's what this journey of Christianity is about. It's not about getting saved and going. Now that I'm saved, now I've got to now start to become this person. That, that all, all the, the journey takes place and change takes place and we grow and so on and we admit we're not perfect and we know we've got faults and so on but up here we've got to accept the minute we got saved I am everything that he says I am and I'm going to, throughout the walk uh, this Christian walk I'm going to, to continue to confess that and believe that and watch the rest of my life come into alignment with that see myself that way and then allow that to be outworked in my life but the funny thing is he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, redeemed us from all this stuff. But guess what he hasn't redeemed? Your time. Guess who's got to do that? You do. You do. You've got to redeem your own time. See that you walk carefully, not as fools, but are evil. If we go over to uh, Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. and verse 5, walking in wisdom toward those who are outside. Who's walking in wisdom toward those who are outside? Is it God or is it me? We are. Walking in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. I need to work with God and redeem the time that God has given to me. There are two Greek words, major Greek words for time. One is kairos and one is chronos. And chronos is where we get our word chronological from. And it's this series of, of, of seconds turns into minutes, turns into hours, turns into days, turns into weeks, turns into months, turns into years. It's a chronos. Kairos is moments. In some translations, this verse is translated as opportunities. Opportunities. And if, we tr- if, if you read those versions, it'll say, you know, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of the opportunity that's been afforded to you. God has given us time, God has given us opportunities. And it's our job to redeem that time. Now, if we've got to redeem that time, what does that tell us about time? You don't necessarily own it you don't buy back something that you already young. You don't buy back something that's in your possession. What Paul's saying here is that you have time, but you've got to make some choices and you've got to buy back that time. Your time's getting spent, but who's spending it? Who's spending your time? Your time's been up, but for what purposes? How much of your time is being used up by you? And how much of your time is being used up by others? How much of your time is being used for the right purposes? How much am I buying with? And how much is being taken from me? Through life and various situations. It's our responsibility to redeem our time. I was reading an amazing article the other day. And uh, it was an article written that said this. It said that if you are 35 years of age then you only have about 500 days left to live. So I'm looking around the room here, and I'm, I know there's a lot of us that are over 35. But according to statistics that were done uh, in the US recently, if you are 35 years of age, you've got 500 days to live. Now, how do they work that out? Well, they subtract the time we spend. And then you subtract the average time that we spend working, going to work and earning a living and doing what we need to do. Then we subtract the time that we tend to personal matters. Then they subtract the time that we spend eating. It's getting less and less, isn't it? And then we subtract the time that we spend travelling, and then we subtract the time we spend doing our daily chores—the things that we have to do. And then they subtract the time we spend to personal hygiene, etc., etc., etc. When you take it all away, we end up with about 500 hours left at our disposal. Now here's my question, what are you going to do with the 500 hours you have left? What are you going to do with the 500 hours that you have left? Vic, you're that fit, you've still got at least 500 hours in you mate. (laughs) (laughs) No, you've got plenty of of time. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you going to do with that time? Here's some facts about time, some things that will help us as we think about what redeeming your time means to you. Here's some facts about time. Number one, we don't know how much time we have left. We don't know how much time we have left. It says in James chapter 4, verse 13 to 14, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He's not saying don't make plans. He's not saying don't be diligent. He's not saying don't plan a life for yourself. But what he's saying is when you make your plans, understand the fragility of life at the same time. I don't know how many days I've got left. My father rang me up uh, this week and, and uh, he wants me to take him into the hospital on Wednesday. Nothing wrong with him, no dramas, but uh, his family has a, a, a history of, of bowel cancer. So... They- I rang him up and said to him, you need to go in and get a bowel cancer check. So he rings me up and says to me, oh, what are you doing Wednesday? I need to go to the hospital. Of course, I start getting a bit panicky. Why, what's wrong, dad? What's wrong? And he tells me. And I said, well, what's happened? What's brought this time? He said, no, no, it's okay. It's just a precautionary thing because the doctors have said have said this. But it again rams home the reality of life that I'm here today, but in the eternal scope of things, I will be gone tomorrow. I don't know how much time I've got left so whether I've got 500 hours or whether I've got three hours left, I have a responsibility to redeem that time and to use it for the right purposes. To use my time for the right purposes. Second thing we know about time is it doesn't roll over. It's not an op- uh, mobile plan. You know those plans? You, you've got 30 days to, to use X amount and if, it doesn't, if you don't use it all in 30 days, we roll the credit over to the next month. Time doesn't work like that. There's no rollover plan for time. Once it's gone, it's gone. You know, the time that you took this morning when you walked in here to church, did you know you'll never get that moment back again? It's finished. It's over. The way you walked in this morning, you can sit there and reflect and go, well, I sort of walked into church like this this morning. You know, I wish I had sort of maybe walked in a bit more like this. Well, that's fine. You can think that, but guess what? It's over. It doesn't matter how you walked in. The fact is you walked in and it was what it was and it's now finished. You can't get that time back third thing we see about time is that nobody else can use it for you although everybody will try but at the end of the day did you know nobody can use your time they can ask for permission and they can ask for permission in an aggressive way at times and and try to dominate but at the end of the day if you give people your time you choose to give it to them but nobody else uses your time you have this phrase oh they're using all my time no they're not using your time you're giving it to them because your time is your time Nobody else can use your time. Fourth thing, my use of time today will impact my world tomorrow. My use of time today is going to impact my world tomorrow. And I need to be conscious of this. I need to be aware that what I do today can impact my world tomorrow. Um, There's a quote that's been around for a long time and it goes like this Sow a thought, reap an action. Okay? Sow a thought. Think about doing something, and then you'll go and do it. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. The more you do that action, that action then becomes a habit. Sow a habit, reap character. You habitually do the same things over and over and over again, it'll shape who you are. And you sow a character, you reap your destiny. You end up in a certain place. Where did it all start? From a thought. Just from a thought. Thinking about an action. Thinking about what I'm going to do with my time. You know, every action you do takes time. Time is a factor in everything you do, whether we realize it or not. Time is such a precious, valuable thing. It's an important thing. And the Bible encourages us to redeem our time, buy our time back, and use it for the right purposes. The fifth thing we know about time is it's the most important thing you possess. You know, I've had people say, oh, no, no, I used to ask people, I'd go around and uh, uh, why we're in training schools and, and, you know, ask questions. And one of the things I would ask them is, what's the most important thing you have? My relationship with God. Yes, that is, that's, that's important. My relationship with my family. Yep, that is dead set important. You know, some people think money. Having lots of money and being financially secure is important. Yeah, it's important. Having a car, having a house, having a, 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 a partner, a girlfriend, whatever. All kinds of things out there, but let me tell you something. What's the one thing that if you don't have, you can't enjoy any of them? Without time, you can't enjoy any of those things. I can have the best relationship in the world with my wife but if I've got no time to be with her, what's the point? I can have a billion, gazillion, trillion dollars in the bank if I don't have time to spend it, what's the point? I can have uh, the nicest car and the nicest house and all this sort of stuff, but if I don't have time to enjoy it, What's the point? I can have the greatest of intentions, dreams, and visions, and stuff I want to achieve, but if I don't have the time to do it? What's the point? Time is the most important thing. I want to build my relationship with God. Guess what? That's going to take time time with Him, time in His Word, time in prayer. Time is important. You know, we live in a time saving society. We live in a time saving society. Microwave ovens. We don't want to stand over a stove top and cook and have to stand there and stir it. Well, I can just put it in the microwave, press a button, walk away, do whatever else I want. It's a time saver, remember? It's meant to save me time. But I'll put it in the microwave and I'll go and do something else with that time. I haven't really saved anything. I've just filled that time that I think I'm saving with something else. Isn't that right? Everything, society's getting quicker and quicker and everything's getting faster and faster but all the time we're saving, we seem to be saying, but we're getting busier and busier and busier. Are we really saving time? But we live in a time-saving society. Uh, remote controls, I don't want to get up and walk over to the TV and turn the channel anymore. I want to save that time, I want to just sit there and press a button. GPS says I don't want to get a map out, I don't want to have a look at the map and I don't want to work out turn here, turn, I'll, I'll just have a voice sitting in the car telling you what to do. Online shopping. I don't want to get up and go to the shop anymore. I just want to sit in the comfort of my own home on eBay or Fashion's online or shoes direct or handbags direct or whatever that people shop in. guys do too, tools Direct and Tools Direct and whatever it is. And we sit there on the shop and we, we feel like we're saving ourselves time. We do it online, we punch in the credit card number, push a button and so on it because it's quick, it's easy and we want to save time. And so we sit at home in the comfort of our house, then we do it. Dishwashers. We don't want to stand there anymore and we don't want to wash. I don't want to have to take the time to fill up that sink, put in the dish detergent, stand there, scrub, put it on a bench, get it. You know, when I was a kid, that was one of my chores I had to do, not when I lived with my parents, because they gave me no chores, no boundaries, no nothing, but when I finally was not living with either my mother or my father, and I moved in with an uncle, the first thing she said to me was, it's your job every night to do the dishes, and I thought, this was a bit rich. I did it anyway, but you know, it was great, it was fun, because me and my cousin did it together, and guess what? We actually talked to each other while we did it. It's amazing. When I see kids that sitting next to each other on a bus, and they're texting questions and answers. You know, they're texting each other when they're sitting right next. to A, a human conversation, like in the back in the old days, when people actually talked to each other. But you know, dishwashers. You know, there's an American funeral company that are looking at creating drive a drive-through window. Yep, for viewings of deceased people because their their, their rationalisation is we realise that your time is poor and you might not have the time to stop get out of your car and go in for a viewing how outrageous is society getting but you know those people are not saving any time because the time is still getting eaten up in other things isn't it we we, we think if I just have that it will save me time but it never saves us time we still end up as busy as what we were before if not busier You know, the Bible tells us as Christians, we're not meant to save time, we're meant to redeem time. We're not to save time, because you can't save time. Because that second is gone, and that second is gone, and that second is gone, and that second... I can't save it. I've got to redeem time. I'm called to redeem time. You know, when you redeem something, it costs you, doesn't it? In the Old Testament, when, when, when land would be redeemed or family members would be redeemed or whatever, it always came at a cost. Redemption always comes at a cost. Redemption always comes at a cost. We were redeemed by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It costs him his life. It costs him his life to redeem us. And you know, it's going to cost you parts of your life to redeem your time. It's going to cost you something to redeem time. I don't know what it's going to cost you. But God knows, and you would know, it's going to cost you something to redeem time. Maybe it's going to be less time in front of the television. Maybe it means turning the TV off straight after the news instead of leaving it on in the background and then getting caught up on TV shows or whatever. Maybe it's going to cost you earlier nights in bed. I can't sit up till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning and play my Xbox or whatever. Maybe it's going to cost you less socialising. Look, I can go out here and here, but I I can't. Maybe it'll cost you more face-to-face contact with your family and friends. Maybe that's what it will do. It'll mean you'll have to have more face-to-face contact. got to see them more spend a bit more time with them because we're about redeeming time buying back time making the most of our time redeeming time is about understanding the will of God and utilizing your time for the best purposes to be outworked in your generation if you have a look at Ephesians chapter 5 there the verse we're looking at it links redeeming time with knowing what the will of God is It links redeeming your time with knowing what the will of God is. Last week we talked a little bit about some some pointers to do with the will of God. Finding the will of God and, and being the will of God. The will of God is directly linked with your ability to redeem time. Did you know that the world will keep you busy? The world will keep you busy. It will chew up so much of your time that you actually have no time to engage with the will of God for your life. When we think about the will of God, you know, sometimes we're always thinking about the the big, you know, down the track, where I'm heading, and and so on. But you know what? You only get there by redeeming the time back here, making the right choices, and being the right person, and being in the right places. And that builds to this big thing. But sometimes when we think of the will of God, it's this big, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? What's the plan for the rest of my life? Well, the plan for the rest of your life, you know, the, the old Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a step begins with one step at a time now people used to say to me all the time uh, when i first got saved about the will of god what's the will of god you know and i would feel pressure pressured to, you know, oh, what's my 10 year plan my 20 year plan this is i've come to the conclusion that if if i'm standing here today and i live today right and tomorrow my foot's there then that's a good thing and if i live my life right the next day and the next day my foot's there guess what if i just keep doing that in 20 years time i'll be exactly where i'm meant to be anyway In the scheme of the bigger thing, I'll be exactly where I'm meant to be anyway. But it all starts with redeeming the time that I have right now, making my time count right now, making sure that I'm investing time into the plans and the purposes of God for my life right now. What are those things that are going to make me the person God wants me to be? What are those things that are going to get me to the place that God wants me to get to? What are those things? Because that's what I should be prioritizing in my life. That's what it means to redeem time. It means to buy back that time for the purposes and the plans of God not just my own plans not just my social life not just my bank balance you know not just this but what, 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 is, what is God doing what does God want to do the verse we read in Colossians chapter 4 if you have a look at there it talks about redeeming time it links it in with evangelism it links it in with reaching the lost in Colossians it says understanding what the will of the Lord is in Ephesians and then it talks about in Colossians that, 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 that we need to redeem the time so that we know how to communicate with those who don't know God so we know the answers to give them so that we can be in contact with them It's the will of God that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. We're all familiar with that. We know that. What I need to do is redeem the time that I've got and make sure that I get a hold of the time that's at my disposal and ask myself this question. Am I using this time for the purposes of God? Am I using this time for the benefit of what God has for me and what God wants to do in my community, what God wants to do in my church? Am I utilizing that little bit of time, that 500 hours that I've got left? Am I utilising them for the purposes of God? You know, people say, I've got no time to pray. Well, you do have time to pray. This is the reality. You know what? When we say, I don't have time to do something God's called you to do, who's wrong? You or God? Are you wrong or is God wrong? Are you telling me that God's asked you to do something, but He won't give you enough hours in the day to do it? Has God called you to something, but you don't have time? Is God mismanaging His time or are you mismanaging your time? Who, where's the mismanagement here? God has given us X amount of hours in a day, X amount of hours in a week, X amount of hours in a year. And God, there are things there that I'm doing right now that I know God's called me to do. There are other things that I know he hasn't. I just want to do them. And you know what? That's okay. There's nothing wrong with with wanting to do them. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do these things over here. But if doing these things over here is sapping that 500 hours of redeemable time, and I'm over here going, but I've got no time to read a Bible, I've got no time to pray, I've got no time. Then I've got to go back over here and go, righty Lord, let's have a look at all this time I'm spending and what I'm doing. And it's not a case of going, throwing out what's evil, because a lot of it's really, really good. A lot of it's actually good stuff. But the question comes back to how important is it to us to redeem that time and to get involved in what God wants to do on planet earth how important is it to get involved in kingdom stuff to leave an eternal fingerprint on planet earth when my time's gone when people gather at my funeral and they go well you know he had a he he, tell you what he built that business really big and had a lot of money left a lot of money to his kids well that's that's good there's nothing wrong with that and i could find scriptures in the bible to encourage you to do that but is that what God is saying to you with your 500 hours? Is that how God wants you to redeem your time? Is that what his will is for you? Is that his purpose, his plan? Is that what he's got for you? Well, I'll tell you what, he's a really, really good president of the and Touch Association. Alan, he was a great president and we took leaps and bounds and went really well while he was there. Well, that's wonderful and that's great and that's a passion, but I've got to go to God and go, but God, is that the best use of my redeemable time? Is that what you want me there for any reason? Am I... And I've got to be open for God to say, well, actually, no, that's just what you want. And guess what? When you redeem time, you buy it back, it's going to cost you something. And maybe it's going to cost me this in order to redeem that time, buy it back and go, no, I want to use my time for the benefit of the kingdom of God, for the plans and the purposes of God. One of the negatives of of extreme Pentecostalism is that we take the whole thing in and we make it about us. We make it about us. God wants to bless you. God wants to give to you. God, you know, uh, we, we, I, I'm a, like we talked about this last week. We can be kings, but kings have responsibilities. Kings have responsibilities, not just privileges and rights. And there's a balance to those. And redeeming time is really about sitting down, looking at my life and going, okay, God, what are some of the responsibilities that you have for me? It's easy to fill my time with my rights, that's easy, because they all feel good, they all feel great, and I love mucking around in the pool of rights over here, but I've got to get my toes out of that every now and then, And go, hang on, God, what are some of these responsibilities? You know, I'm responsible to shine a light in a dark world, that's one of my responsibilities, you know, I'm responsible to pray the Bible Jesus actually when he spoke to his disciples about prayer he didn't say uh, and if you pray he said when you pray he just made this crazy assumption that they would do it <laughs> crazy there's this biblical assumption that if you're a believer you will get into this book it's a crazy biblical assumption We I haven't got time Well, I hope this isn't coming across too black and white and blunt, but either you're wrong or God is wrong. Either God's out of whack with reality or maybe my reality's a little bit out of whack. And I've got to sit back and go, God, if I've only got 500 hours of redeemable time left, if these statistics are true, Lord, I want to make sure that I'm using those 500 hours for the right reasons, for the right causes. For the right purposes, investing them into something that's greater than me, something that will live on beyond my time here. And this is the challenge to believers today in in such a self centered society that we live in. And the tendency for that same mentality to creep into Christianity and to hoard the blessings of God. When the Abrahamic covenant still stands, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are given X amount of hours to not consume them all, but to go. Right, oh God, how do I redeem that time? What can I do for others? Because if I've only got 500 hours left, and then I decide, but you know, but I, I need another hundred of that to play touch football, so I've only got four, and then I want another 50 of that to go fishing with me mates, so I've only got 350 hours left now. I want to go, uh, you know, for a surf every now and then, so I've only got 300 hours left now. And then I'm going to watch every footy game I can all over the weekend. So all of a sudden now, by the end of the season, I'm down to 150 hours left. Sorry, Dean, not pointing you out. I saw it, and never there, and looked across at him. Now I'm down to 150 hours. Now I'm down to 150 hours. You know. But I've also got this, and I've got that, and I like. And before you know it, it's all gone, unless I make a conscious effort to stop and to reassess my life and to go right here, God. Where can I be of most eternal kingdom benefit? What am I meant to be doing? Prioritizing first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Your number one priority and the number one way we redeem time is by prioritizing first the kingdom of God. We prioritize first the kingdom of God. what does that look like for you? I'm not telling you what it looks like for you. You need to ask the Father. I'm not X amount of hours or you have to read X amount of. That's... I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we need to make the seeking of the kingdom of God our first priority. and if I've only got 500 hours to do that, it's not a lot of time. But I've got to have a commitment to I either want to do that. Or I don't. Martin Luther was once quoted as saying I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I don't know how he did that. And I don't feel pressured to have to spend my first three hours in prayer because my days are pretty busy. But I like the mentality and I like the attitude behind it. What he's saying is I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to redeem my time. My day today is so busy. I've got so much to do. But before I get stuck into all that, I'm going to make sure the most important thing is done first. I'm going to redeem a bit of that time back, buy a bit of that time back, make sure that I have this time with God. Because you know what? If the the dishes don't get done today and I've got to wait till tomorrow morning, then so be it. I have to do that. But I'm not going to this opportunity to grow closer to God to become more like Christ to to align myself with his plans and his purposes to hear his voice to be I'm not going to miss that for the sake of a dirty dish I'm not going to miss that for the sake of a football game I'm not going to miss that for the sake of a fishing trip see what I'm saying? it's priorities and that's what redeeming our time is about it's about reprioritizing and at the end of the day it's not just about reprioritizing our time it goes one step back and it's about reprioritizing our hearts Reprioritizing ourselves, breaking it all down, and going, what is the most important things? What are the most important? What are my non-negotiables in life? What are my non-negotiables in life? For too much of my life, touch football and rugby league were non-negotiables. I wouldn't miss a game of footy. Uh, I won't miss a... You know. For some of you, your non-negotiables might be shopping. Your non-negotiables might be drawing pictures. Good pictures too, by the way. Your non-negotiables could be anything. And as we redeem time, it's really about reprioritizing those non-negotiables because I make time for those things that are important in my life. Is the will of God important to me? When I was standing there looking at those people and I was wondering how many meetings I have left, I had another thought. Sitting where they are today, when they look back down the pages of history from where they were, are they standing in the place that they thought their priorities way back then would lead them to? Or was what they thought were priorities at work and you're standing in a completely different place looking back over your life going, I never thought I'd end up here. never thought I'd end up here. I was zealous for God, for His plans, for His purposes. I was zealous for the church and for what the Lord was doing. And then 40 years looking back I don't go to church anymore I don't read my Bible anymore I only pray when I'm in trouble down here and my children are born I want to be the best father and I want to have time with them and I want to play with them and and, 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 and these are priorities to me and then down this end with adult kids looking back going you know what I didn't spend the time with them I wanted to and they're grown up now I didn't show them the value of of prayer like I wanted to. I didn't instill in them the importance of the word of God like I wanted to. Pick anything that's a priority back here. And when you're standing here and you look back, will it have outworked itself? or will I be standing in a place where I realise you know what, what I thought was a priority really was just a good idea but I didn't redeem the time enough to get there somebody spent my time someone's spending your time and it wasn't me I don't want you going away from here today going, for God's sake, what are you doing with your life? I want you to go away and say, what are you doing for God's sake with your life? What are you doing for God's sake with your life? The world wants us to save time. The Bible tells us to redeem time. Amen. A little poem I want to finish with. Book and that, you can come back. Tiny little poem. I just found this on the internet the other day and I thought it was really nice. Don't know who wrote it. It says, Just a tiny little minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Let's stand up again.
1: What I wanted to do today,
0: and again, it obviously wasn't a priority to me because I didn't. I wanted to get notepads for everybody and I wanted to pass around notepads and I wanted to pass around pens because I don't believe there's any point coming to church and just hearing messages or on your iPod or whatever and walking away and going, it was good or it was bad. We're not here to rate. We're here to be challenged and we're here to be changed. So what I wanted us to do a notepad, just get these guys to play for a few minutes, and I wanted you to sit there with God and I wanted you just to write down, okay God, what am I doing with my time? Are there areas of my time that need to be redeemed? The Ephesian church needed to redeem time, otherwise Paul wouldn't be saying to them, redeem the time. If they'd already mastered it and had already been doing it, you'd have no need to say it. Colossians church we're still grappling with this whole issue of what does it mean to redeem time how do we buy that time otherwise Paul wouldn't have written into the Colossians and said you need to redeem your time you don't tell people to do something they're already doing you encourage them for what they doing." so what I wanted us to do was to think about it and go I do not do it now but I challenge you and I encourage you this week even this afternoon even this afternoon while it's fresh in your mind find some quiet space and just sit with a notepad and a pen in your hand and just say to the Lord, God, speak to me about redeeming my time because you are the only one that can redeem your time. I can't redeem it for you. You are the only one that has control over those minutes, those seconds, those hours. You have control. God won't wrest control from your hands because he wants you to control it. He wants you to control that time. He's redeemed everything else. And now he says, I've set you an example. I've shown you what redemption takes. I've shown you what it requires. I've shown you what redemption looks like.
1: Now I want you to
0: go and redeem your time. Jesus died on the cross for a bigger picture, more than himself. He died on the cross because it was the plan, the purpose, the will of God. And that was his role in that. To redeem time means you find what is your role in the will of God. And you put time to that. You prioritize that. And you leave the other stuff. And you catch up on it later if you have time. But you don't compromise on the redeemed time you've been given. Because it's here today. Not you. Father, we just thank you, uh, Lord, this morning, God. That Father, we have used our time wisely today, God. We have come church, Father. We have come to fellowship together, Father. We've come to hear your word. We've come this morning, Lord, to connect with you. God, we've come this morning to be challenged by you. Each of us, Father, myself included, God, and I pray this week, Father, I pray this week you would speak to each one of us, God. Father, you would speak to us about this issue of time redemption. Father, you would give us strategies. You would give us ways, Father, that we we can look at our world, we can look at the time we have. And we can make sure that we are prioritizing those things that are important. God, give us a reality check, Father, in our heart as we look at what our priorities are. God, so many things in my life that I thought were priorities that I can see now obviously weren't because I didn't prioritize my time to make effective effect of those things. And God, I pray for each of us, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would help us to prioritize our time correctly. God, you would help us to buy back and redeem control of that time frame. God, you would teach us what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Knowing, God, your promise that if we do that, you will add all these other things to us. If we seek you first, you will add all the other things, all those things that we spend our time worrying about and trying to create and trying to make happen. Your promise is if we seek first the kingdom, you will add those things to us, Lord. The Holy Spirit, I just pray you would speak to us throughout the day. Bring us to that point of decision. Bring us to a point where we don't just sit down and go, this is a good idea, this is a good idea. Bring us to a point of challenge and a point of decision. Jesus didn't think the cross was just a good idea. He followed it through. He backed it up with a committed action step. And Father, I pray that we would would follow through with our commitment, with an action step, Father, with action back up our words it wouldn't just be a great idea we have today it would be a life changing encounter with the Holy Spirit a life changing encounter with the Holy Spirit thank you Father thank you Father. thank you, thank you if anybody would like prayer this morning for anything we'd love to, to for you um, we believe in a good God as I said if you can't see God doing anything in your life Other than that, we're going to finish up now. Uh, there's tea and coffee, obviously, biscuits. Nice small group of us today, so we should be able to get some nice conversation time in. Uh, God bless you. Keep praying for the church. Keep praying for those that weren't here this week. Uh, we'll see you next Sunday.